Welcome to Being Olivia, the podcast that promotes holistic wellness for women of color. Follow along as we explore our identities, take in the world around us, and create our own wellness journey. This podcast is powered by J. Olive LLC. Please be advised the content of this series should not substitute seeking professional care, advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We welcome your host, Jasmine Brooks. Welcome back, season three of Being Olivia. This is Jasmine Olivia with J. Olive Wellness, and I'm so excited to bring you all another season of reflection, of refinement, and clarity. Um, I think that is my new word for this season is clarity, um, because so much has happened, so much has been in transition and still in transition for me, um, and I thought it would have been really helpful uh as you know this podcast has been you know my my diary um a lot of you all have listened to my voice over these past few years and i just appreciate you all showing love and support in that way um a lot again has happened outside of the panorama um and i'll get to all of those things throughout these what seven eight episodes um but if you are just now tuning in, um, I am a doula here in Central Iowa. I'm also a PhD student, finally, applause, applause. And I just finished up my first year of my PhD, so heading into my second year. Um, but I'm using this time to decompress, really just think through, you know, what is my research topic um, and how can I continue to, again, refine it? Uh, <laughs> So this is brought to you by J. Olive Wellness, uh, my business that provides a couple of things, doula support primarily uh, to Black and Indigenous birth families across the state of Iowa and um, our neighboring states. I am a virtual doula as well. And also I do some consulting work, um, equity work to help um, institutions, organizations help to build a more equitable workspace for students and staff and faculty so yeah that that's a new thing um so to get us started i think it would be really good to do a grounding um this is something i've been taught uh to do over the past year and a half um and i think it's just important as we listen to the story that i'm going to share it's going to bring up a lot of you know, emotions, reflections for yourself as you listen and even afterwards. And so taking those deep breaths, understanding where you're where you're settling in, what emotions are coming up, identifying the language for those emotions and, you know, moving through them, not past them, through them. Right. So if you could center yourself, uh, if you're laying down, sitting down, standing up, you know, you might be cooking for our whatever reason, right? You're doing whatever you need to do as you're listening or driving. Um, and just kind of take those large, deep belly breaths. And so you're wanting to have that air consume your lower belly, lower abdomen. You're going to see and feel it expand. 
um, you should also feel that within your hip area. And so you're going to just feel that completely just take over, consume, kind of just letting yourself feel, identify, honor where your breath is, where it's putting itself um, and think through a situation to where you have found your joy or uh, happiness uh, in the most recent days or months or a year. And just remind yourself of what that joy felt like, what that joy entailed, who was there um, and who participated in that uh, and what were you doing? Um, because again, we live through trauma, we live through day-to-day -day work, uh, we're triggered. Um, and oftentimes, you know, in war, we aren't always able to um, see ourselves and reflect in ourselves what our joy is and the last thing of it. That is what we want to do. So just take that big breath again and kind of just identify that last piece of joy that you had had. Um, mine was uh, a milkshake that I got from uh, Baskin Robbins. <laughs> that was my last joy. I've had a few after that, but that's what came to mind for me when I took that breath was how amazing that milkshake was um, at Baskin Robbins. It brought up some really good childhood memories as well. So thank you for joining me in that brief grounding. Um, so today we are talking about mothering um, and mothering ourselves. And I will say uh, I'm not a mother, but I have birth ideas and projects and um, having the capacity taking care of others outside of myself. Um, and that has been a consistent thing in my life since my adolescence. So um, I also think of the fact that uh, mothering isn't just the physical manifestation of, you know, child, but the verb, um, how are you loving, um, giving your light and your passion to something or someone. So um, I'm a plant mother. I am a fur mom. Um, I am mothering myself um, and on a journey to have um, a expanded family in some capacity, whether that is me, you know, physically birthing them or through fostering or adoption. Um, but we'll get to that part later. So um, as we build in this transition, I want you to think about like, how do you identify your own mothering and mothering of self? Like what has been taught to you? What have you experienced? What shows up for you um, in spaces when you are mothering yourself? Um, what are the challenges of it? What are the you know benefits of it? What is positive and joyful around it? Uh, way, what may be, you know, agonizing and, and, and dark? Um, how much of it is an absence for you? Um, you might be, you know, already on a journey to understand the mothering uh, that you've had or or you've had to do uh, for yourself or your siblings or or your kin in some way and so 
just kind of think through what is my definition? How do I come to understand it? Because all of it matters, right? We don't necessarily have to look at mothering of self and mothering in one unique way. Um, as a Black woman researching Black mothering, it is it is a universal language of love. Um, and sometimes it can feel different for everybody. And so just kind of think through that for a little bit. So here's the deal. Um, when I define mothering, I think immediately to the one, the women in my life who have um, provided guidance and direction, regardless if I agreed with it or not, because <laughs> that's a whole other situation. But I think about um, the mother, mothers who are here present on earth with me and also the mothering that I experience through other realms of, of my spirituality. Uh, and so thinking of my, you know, great grandmother, my granny, my grand, uh, great, great grandmother, um, who've all had a touch in my life, my great aunt, uh, both of my great aunts. Um, and I'm sure, you know, through them, they've had their mothering and their experiences that also have touched on me. Um, and, you know, the other day I had to, you know, let myself feel that burden that sometimes comes out when you are actively thinking through and reflecting and opening yourself up to a, a reflection around your mothering uh, and the mothering, the self-mothering that you have to do. And when I talk about mothering self, self-mothering, that is specifically, and for me, a definition of building an intimate relationship with little Jasmine. Um, little Jasmine has always been, you know, a person I've carried and not necessarily have seen or heard um, or given space uh, to have these experiences. I've kind of just um, had reactions most of my life. Um, most of them have been out of anger because little Jasmine is, you know, used to being invisible to people and always having to um, put herself last, um, even even um, at the detriment of herself. Uh, and so I've experienced violence in so many different ways because uh, at a young age, it was a responsibility growing into a woman um, to allow certain things to happen, um, allow sexual violence to happen, allow domestic violence to happen, allow... Um, Again, putting yourself last, this, these are the things that I was taught, whether it was, you know, directly taught to me or it's something I've seen and just took in as, you know, this is expected to happen uh, to me. Uh, and there was a lot of avoidance around that. So as I got older, um, a lot of it was, these are the things that I've seen and I don't want to happen. And what I didn't realize is most of the time when we are thinking more about things from the perspective of what we don't want, we're actually feeding and, and um, 
building that up in our lives and consuming ourselves around that energy. So if you don't notice, right, and, and maybe this is helpful to you, is think about the times recently in the you know recent relationships that you had where you opted into some of these behaviors that you know that you didn't want to do, but you felt you had to do, and it was an immediate response um, because we we we're used to that. We know what it looks like, and it is a it is a um, it is a thing that we are going to constantly do, and it's unconscious because again, we've seen it over and over again. So when I think about um, previous relationships that have been uh, where I felt disrespected, where I felt um, not heard, where I felt invisible, well, that's that's attached to what I've been taught through the mothering that I've received um, and the mothering experiences that I've seen. And so I want to encourage you to not put yourself in a in an emotional state of, well, I'm a terrible person. And so um, this is something that I um, can't stop doing or people are putting me in the situation. I think part of self-mothering is accountability. Um, and that's part of the journey is what is me? What parts of me do I want to evolve? It's not fix, evolve. Um, and I say evolve because your little person in you isn't going to stop feeling the things that they feel. And so you're going to go through this evolutionary state of, you know, this is, this is what I'm not going to opt myself into uh, being attached to, or I'm going to start learning the things that I may not want to be exposed to, or being able to see things for what they are much earlier, so I don't have to have the same responses. Um, and a lot of that comes out of boundaries, which we'll get to later uh, in the season. But um, really thinking about like what shows up in your life right now that's reflective of the mothering that you felt like you received or didn't receive. And for those who feel like they've had a significant absence around mothering, I think there are still experiences that you can um, understand and identify that helped helped around that mothering. Like who was that mentor? Who was that experience um, that helped shape uh, your understanding of love and care and compassion and softness, but strength um and who could that be right like it could be something it could be someone it could be an experience uh and a lot of that can be unpacked on you know unpacked in uh counseling uh emdr is a great uh way of unpacking some of those things i know a lot of folks may not know what that is but it's it's a really great process um that allows you to help uh, shape and understand your prior experiences and breathe, have a different breathing mechanism around them. I'm, I'm sure there's a better definition for what I'm, for what I'm describing EMDR, but that's what it does for me is that I'm, I'm able to help shape and understand the experiences I've had. Um, and it's allowed me to breathe better. It's allowed me to feel 
um, and not be frightened of the breathing and the feelings that come up um, because they happen. Like I said, I, I cried uh, yesterday or a day ago and um, it, it, I look at crying now as more of a renewal, uh, more of medicine for myself. Um, but that's, that's, you know, part of the process that comes up. I also want to explain that this is not um, something that happens overnight. I truly believe like healing around mothering takes a lot of time. Um, it feels like a job. Um, it's a job that you'll start to build a relationship with and see it less of a job. Um, you'll start to build in, you know, you know, active pieces of joy so that, you know, when you experience that, that kind of like wave of grief, of mourning, of sadness, of excitement, right? Because not all of mothering and going through it is is sadness, but it could be that you're you're happy too when you feel overwhelmed um, and, you know, uh, hypersensitive about certain things. So just kind of understand that this process, wherever you start, wherever you are, whether you start, stop, it's it's a it's a long process. I'm still in it. I've only touched the surface and just you know the tip of you know the mountain uh, that is mothering. Because what I've realized is that I'm not just navigating my own mothering, but I'm navigating my mother's mothering and my grandmother's mothering and my great grandmother's mothering. Um, and I've noticed that in my dreams, I've noticed that when I connect and feel um, like I am attached to older folks in my life, I notice that when I lose people um, that I really feel their spirit and their emotions and it is also overwhelming. There are times when I feel grief that isn't mine um, and what that feels like is, you know, nothing is happening. I feel happy or content. I feel calm. And then all of a sudden there's an energy shift. Um, and now I'm having thoughts and feelings that as I'm moving through it and it happens more often and I'm noticing the voices, the emotions belong to someone who is familiar to me. Uh, and I also felt that in Reiki. When I did Reiki uh, last August, um, she had said that there is a maternal figure in my home. And I knew that, I just didn't know who's, what, like, what side of my family it was. And she said, my mother, and I, and I swear to you, my immediate thought was my great aunt, May. I was like, it has to be her. She was fond of me. I was really young when she died. Um, and I always remembered her baking me cakes. I've never had a negative memory of her. I've never heard of anything negative about her. And she felt like a very important person. Um, if, if she were to have lived longer, I felt like I would have been close to. And so it's interesting at 32 that she's still with me. I also think about when I lost my granny, you know, night and day type of relationship. Um, I hadn't talked to my granny in years. I was probably 17 the last time I spoke to my oh. granny. And then I had saw her right before she passed um, two years ago. And I feel her too. She talks to me in my sleep. She talks to me when I'm driving. 
Um, and the presence feels close to her. The presence feels like her. Um, I'm talking about these things in a very spiritual way, but I can understand some folks don't think of it that way. But um, as you build your spirituality, your connection and understanding, more things open up. Um, and I think energy is real. I feel energy can be heavy for people. Um, if you feel like you grow in anger very quickly or you grow in sadness very quickly, all of that is energy. Um, and so I really encourage you as you're processing this and the things that I've been saying uh, is like, where do you feel tension in your body? Um, and what is that saying to you when you're taking deep breaths in that space? A lot of my tension is in my pelvis and in my womb space. And I think that's for a reason, right? Like I'm heavy into this reflection and understanding of mothering. And so why not, you know, have it in the space that, you know, that's where life begins and ends. So there is a tool that you can use. Um, and I would say this tool is specifically to help you have language. So um, there's so much to unpack about mothering, but I think language for your little person and you can be helpful. Um, and it's, uh, you can find it anywhere. It's called the feeling circle. Um, so like you can Google it. Uh, you might find it on like chalkboard or any, you know, um, counseling based website it's called the feeling circle. And what I like about um, this is that it actually helps you shape um, what exactly my feelings are and how do they evolve over the course of my um, reflection, you know, allowing myself of openness and, and um, again, if you're doing it actively for 10 minutes to, you know, every now and then or randomly, um, it comes up, however you look at it. I, again, I would encourage you to sit down and do the reflection, the journaling, so they can have and, you know, have itself live on paper. I think there's some fear around journaling from people because it makes the shit real, right? It makes what you've experienced, what you've had to carry, a real thing. I think not writing it down um, perpetuates silence. Um, you're keeping it to yourself and that's what we've been taught to keep it to ourselves. And that's why the silence, um, uh, this allows us to have language. I need to write down that I'm scared and take a breath. I need to write down that I'm anxious or feel weak and take a breath. I need to write down that I feel disgusted or fearful, that I feel out of control, um, or maybe I feel aroused, I feel inquisitive, I feel courageous, um, I feel sensitive or thankful, or maybe I feel withdrawn or numb. Whatever it could be, I think language has power and it can be hard to get out what you feel. I notice often in times where I feel it the most, where my energy is very high around it and I'm feeling uh, triggered that I feel like I'm choking when I talk about how I feel. And again, this has been recent to where I can actually talk about how I feel. Um, in the past, it's you know felt very lonely and quiet. 
And so um, building myself up to write down a word to, you know, a full sentence to being able to speak about it is a process. And there's certain things in my life that I'm able to do one of those three things or something else. Uh, and so if you feel like the biggest thing that you have trouble with is identifying what your feelings are and what uh, to call them, that could be a really good tool. I think the other tool, right, is breathing. Um, we do a lot of chest breathing to where like if you take a breath and you notice that most of where your body rises is your chest, you're actually just putting air only in your lungs um, to do shadow work or, you know, that hard work um, is to put that air specifically in places that you feel the tension. So like I'm feeling tension more in my back right now that I'm, I'm talking and I'm not able to take the breath that I want, but it's recognizing where I'm clenching or holding my breath or situated um, in a certain space. So maybe I'm leaning or something like that. That's your body compensating for um, the stress that you're under because you're feeling certain things. Um, our bodies are amazing, and I've learned so much being a doula, how great our bodies are at protecting us. Um, at one point, I hated my body, and I said, um, you know, the body that was given to me, is it mine? Um, it's not uh, built right. It's broken. But I've, I've come to realize through processing and reflection and, and counseling is that this body was built specifically for me, and it's been a powerhouse. It knows when we're not safe. It knows when we are at our strongest. Like, my body knows things before I even realize it. And part of that is little Jasmine being able to, you know, tweak things and communicate. I don't know if any of you, like, watch that movie, um, Space in the Name of the Movie right now. <laughs> it happens often, my memory goes, and I should have just wrote it down, but um, it is uh, that movie where, you know, the little people are in her head, um, and they're having to pull all these switches, right? There's anger, there's, there's sadness, there's happiness, or maybe it's joy, um, and they're all having to pull levers, and I really feel like that's what's happening for us emotionally is that all of these um, memories or experiences, your body, your mind, your spirit, your energy is having to shift. And oftentimes, you know, with bad memories or, you know, feelings of abandonment or, or absentness of certain things, uh, your body overcompensates for, you know, certain feelings and emotions. So I felt in hyperdrive around anger and sadness. Um, anger is a response of feeling other things. Anger is the last. That's just how I feel. That might be wrong and, and different for you. But uh, for me, anger was my last emotion because before that I felt lonely. I felt sad. I felt abandoned. I felt unheard. I felt invisible. And so automatically when I'm able, I'm not able to breathe through those, I land right in, um, in anger. And so if you feel like you're quick to assume, quick to be paranoid, quick to respond, um, that that can be something to think about, like what's going on. 
And it's so tied, all of this is so tied to mothering because in thinking about trying to live more in my gentleness and my silence um, in healthy ways, because again, silence can be healthy, uh, that I don't know how to do that. And I feel like, you know, a lot of my self-mothering, when I look at my mother, my mother is very quiet. Uh, she oftentimes don't feel that way, but um, when I think about her as her totality, like how I've experienced her, my mom is a very quiet woman. She's just now started to talk a little bit more, but she made a comment to me when I did a live, uh, what, last week. She's like, I don't know, I don't know who I am and I don't know how to explain my mothering. And I'm like, that is tricky, right? So you can't identify or have language to it, but you've had action around it. And so I have to make that determination for all of my life for the pieces that you feel like you weren't actively doing. I've had to just kind of put them into different categories and they may have been wrong in a lot of ways. Um, how I've come to understand my gender, my sexuality, my role, um, my role as a future mother, a wife, um, how I've understood myself relations with women. All of that is coming from my mother and she has been honest about not being able to do certain things. And I think what I'm getting to is the forgiveness. Um, our parents, the folks who raised us and loved, loved us, because that can be anybody that we, we put into that category, um, they are only able to do certain things with the tools and knowledge that they have. And it, it's a part of the process of self-mothering is understanding that. Um, it, that part's really hard. I mean, all of it's hard, but to look in, to look at my mother, love it, love my mother, accept my mother and um, forgive my mother is, is complicated. My mother is still here. And so I feel a responsibility as, you know, the growing, you know, hopeful matriarch of the family someday that part of that healing needs to happen while she's still present, uh, while my grandmother's still present. Um, and I'm able to ask those questions and talk to them about it. But I also recognize there's some things I cannot say or talk about because they aren't in a space and ready. And so that's where journaling and, and actively breathing and processing, I've, I've written on my phone letters to the folks in my life that identify in this role for the things that I wish I wanted to say, for the things I wish they would have said to me, that that one was hard. <laughs> for the things I wish they would have said to me, right? I wish you would have said, I loved you more. I wish you would have said you cared. I wish you would have attended the the you know award ceremonies i wish you would have held me longer i wish you would have believed me when i told you i was molested like that one was hard to write and i feel like i add to it every now and then mentally and on paper but uh it took me some time to write those letters um and they're open notes they're always in draft form 
Um, I don't know what I'll do with them ever. I might print them out. I might, you know, read them to my daughter when she gets older and she wants to understand. Because the, the piece that I want to do is, you know, recognize that my daughter, my children are going to experience me. Um, and there's some things that I cannot protect them from because this is where their mother is. And this is where their mother's work wanting to work towards. And I think I want to give them more grace um, and being honest, but also not expecting them to hold their mother's emotions. Um, because again, little Jasmine is mine to carry. She's my responsibility. And she's never felt like someone's responsibility. And so I'm taking on the task to take care of her and to actively give her space and I hope that my kids see that. And, you know, I can't protect them from everything. They're going to have experiences that I won't be able to always defend them or be there for them. But how do they understand their self-mothering? And maybe the work is less. Like they don't have to walk through life completely like this, that, you know, they're able to mother themselves in ways that, you know, are just small pieces of what I can't do. Um, so, yeah, I... I would say that's what I've you know, learned. That's what I've taught myself. Um, and, you know, a lot of that is, you know, the writing, I, uh, literature, um, reading other women, um, how other women have understood their healing and attached that to the self-mothering that I need. So um, in previous episodes last season, we talked to the difference about self-care and self-preservation. Jasmine's living solely in self-preservation. Like I am unapologetic. I am um, always trying to give myself space and honor my feelings. Um, even when I feel most frustrated or that I can't have a balance in my schedule, like this is not an option anymore. Um, I have more time and I feel like I want to be intentional with it, but it gets scary because um, in this last like note that I want to make um, that I always thought that if I ever healed completely that my work will be done and I die early. Um, I die young and I know that seems crazy, but that literally is what I feel often is you know my purpose on this earth to make sure others are healed and to then heal my trauma so that this just ends with me because I always talked about like it ending with me I didn't want to have kids at all before I met my husband um, but now that you know I'm married and being a mother seems really great <laughs> it looks amazing it feels amazing because um, I get to see it all the time I get to support you know, parents on their journey. And, you know, it just, that just comes up in my reflection time. It comes up in my conversations. And I don't think it's a bad thing, but um, part of living and, and breathing through it is acknowledging what comes up, uh, whether it makes sense to you or not. Like, I, I will be honest, there's some things that have come up and didn't make sense. Um, but I stick it on I stick it in the back of my mind and maybe something or some type of experience will help 
you know, give more understanding to it or, you know, clarify it a little bit more for me. But right now what I'm hearing from myself is being more quiet, doing more listening, less reacting, um, and seeking clarity, seeking um, times where I can love on myself. And so um, part of that is my obsession with crystals. <laughs> I'm legitimately obsessed. Like when we get into our house, I feel like I'm just going to have a space that's solely dedicated to my crystals. I have an altar and I have candles that are specifically designated to certain things, but I'm like, crystals are a thing. So as I'm talking, I'm holding my peach moonstone. Um, it is a beautiful moonstone. If you are unsure or unfamiliar about what moonstones are, they specifically bring relief to emotional issues such as depression and anger. Um, and it promotes the divine in all situations uh, and is an emotional support for intuition and sensitive children. Jasmine, little Jasmine, super sensitive. <laughs> She's always ready to fight somebody. So um, as I talk, um, this is what is stimulating our conversation. This is where I'm putting my energy because I'm not able to take the deep breaths as I'm talking about this. And so I'm intentionally putting the energy to the crystal and allowing it to do the flowing and collecting um, so that I'm not leaving uh, this conversation feeling very worn out. So uh, I hope that this was helpful. I know that it was helpful uh, to many of you because, you know, you are my family and my friends that are listening. Um, and I just want you, uh, I want for you to continue or insert compassion and grace into your life. Um, that is what has been bestowed upon me and, you know, been poured into me. And so, Compassion is huge. Uh, you're having a human experience with real human shit going on and real, you know, um, real life just continue to happen. So give yourself that space. You're doing the best you can with what you have. You're right where you need to be um, and expect greatness from yourself and or expect calmness. Um, with that, just thank you and I'll see you next time.